All right, I am Haggai Davis III, along with Haggai Davis II, and we'd like to welcome you to Tech Gumbo. Our show is a conversation about the past, present, and future of all things technology that we like to keep topical, interesting, and digestible. We want to thank our sponsor, Cardinal Capital, for making this possible. Cardinal Capital connects businesses to capital. It doesn't matter what business that you are in, Cardinal Capital has the resources all across the United States that are willing to help fund organizations of all sizes, life cycles, categories, and locations. Cardinal Capital works with you to craft the best commercial finance package for you to achieve your business goals. Whether you're looking to refinance current debt because of the new government programs and favorable interest rates, or finance new equipment, or maybe you're trying to acquire another business entirely, Cardinal Capital has the resources to make it happen. When lenders cannot do a loan, they seek out Cardinal Capital to help. The Cardinal Capital guys are easy to work with and fun to be around. Contact them today at 225-308-3700 or send them an email at info at cardinalcap.net and they'll be happy to help you with your commercial finance needs. So each week we take a listener question about a topic they were interested in by visiting our website techgumbo.net. And this week's question is, is there really a difference between regular hard drives and solid state hard drives? That's a great question. And so we wanted to dive into it and then talk about the differences and then when you would prefer one versus the other. So traditionally, the hard drives of old had the spinning platters inside with the little needles that went back and forth across the drives. And you would have either one, two, three, up, upwards of eight, eight discs inside that hard drive spinning to, to have all of your data stored on those drives. And that was great until we got newer technology. The new solid state drives, SSD, performs like a flash drive, basically. The, the thumb drive that you have, it's you know, the same idea, except it's just faster and it's generally pretty good. So the, the drives that spin, those the, the original HDDs, the hard disk drives, they're throwing that data back and forth all over those drives. And the, the needle has to remember where that data was left and it has to go back and find it. And, and so if you remember way back in the day, you part of your tools menu was to go back and defrag your computer to get your data stitched back closer together to make your hard drive faster. Well, with the solid state drives, you don't have that problem. The data goes right back where it was supposed to be, or it never really moves, actually. Your computer just knows where to find it in that hard space. Yeah, and so a solid state drive will be much faster. You can see this very easily whenever you boot your PC up, that a solid state drive will oftentimes boot in seconds, whereas a hard disk drive might take a little bit longer, one to, you know, if you have an older machine, maybe three to five minutes. But, you know, a solid state drive, you feel how fast it turns on. And the hard disk drive, it's also limited by how fast those, those disks spin, whether, like we've talked about in the last segment, the old 5400 RPMs or the, the 7200 or 10,000 RPMs drives, the faster that drive spins, the faster you're going to save and retrieve information to the hard drives, but you don't have the spinning disk on a solid state drive. And that removal of that spinning comes with a lot of other benefits as well. 
One, it's going to be quieter for the solid state to not have to spin up. Two, not having that moving piece or part means that if you drop your laptop, there's nothing there to break. You don't have some, it's going to be more resilient in that way. And so that's, there's a couple other things that come with that benefit. One of the things that takes into consideration is what are you using the, the hard disk drives for versus the solid state drives? So the one big drawback of the solid state drive is that they kind of cap out on reliable size right now. That you really won't find consumer grade SSDs above two terabytes. For most people, two terabytes of local storage space is absolutely plenty that they need. But some people, if you're doing a lot of video editing, you might need more space than two terabytes. And so in that case, then you would need that salt, that hard disk drive. But for the vast majority of home users, two terabytes is absolutely plenty. Now, if you're a business and you still have servers, you're absolutely using the hard disk drives for your servers. Your data is too critical. It, you're running a business with these drives. You need them to be reliable. And at two terabytes, it's not reliable enough. The solid state drives yet. And that will change. But for now, when you're if you're you're using a server and you have hard drives inside that server, you are definitely using the spinning hard disk drives. And again, as you said, in the future, the SSDs will become the overwhelming dominant type. Right now, that they're still on that way up. Because I remember whenever you couldn't get SSDs of one terabyte, and now we're at two terabytes. And so that upper threshold of reliability is continuing to march upwards and they, the SSDs are continuing to get cheaper. They're continuing to become better. But right now that breakpoint is if you're a home user, it's about two terabytes. But if you're a business, that breakpoint might be a little lower. And there really is almost no difference in price right now. When you're in that 256 gig to 500 gig drive on your laptop, Get the solid state drive every time. Don't even think about a hard disk drive on your laptop or a desktop. Get the solid state drive. No questions asked. There's not enough of a difference in cost, but maybe a couple of bucks. And the the speed will just make your life different. Oh, absolutely. It is worth every bit of the performance. Because as you said, you know, it might be 10 bucks. It might be 20 bucks for that size at, at one terabyte. But boy, the time you're going to save, the frustration, the effort you're going to save, we overwhelmingly recommend if you are a home user and the generic standard case, the solid state will be by far your better choice. But again, if you're trying to build a server, if you have servers, need new drives, the solid state drives in the two terabyte range are going to run you a couple thousand dollars each, whereas a really good hard disk drive for two terabytes would be a couple hundred dollars, two to three, four hundred dollars for the drive. It's just not there yet for high-end, really large capacity drives for your servers. So there is still a need for the hard disk drives, but the solid state drives eventually will 
put the the hard disk drives out of business? So thank you, Yusuf, for that question. We found it very elucidating, and, and we uh, enjoy talking about it. And we will be sending you that beautiful Tech Gumbo mug. Thank you for coming to the website and send us that question. We'll be reaching out to get an address to send you the mug this week. So this week also, the iPhone 14 was announced by Apple. And Apple announced one of their new decisions that they've made is that the iPhone 14 will not have a physical SIM card in the U.S. Uh, it will be eSIM only for their U.S. models. Primary usage of your SIM card and your SIM card slot, though, is that's how your phone identifies itself whenever it's talking to the tower. That's how it says, hey, here's who I am. I, you know, I'm on your network. I belong to you. That's how that process works together. Exactly. And so by changing out that SIM card, you're changing out your profile on that phone. When you go buy a new phone in days of past, they would take your SIM out of your old phone and put it into your new phone. So all of your information would just transfer along with you, but not anymore. Yeah, a lot of the transfer happens digitally now. It's much faster. There's much more data attached to it. They can do all kinds of other things. But you also right now have the opportunity currently to use eSIMs. And so it's having a digital signature as opposed to the physical piece of hardware, which is identifying you. And so that's what Apple is saying, what they're going to move towards for their new phone. Or in the future, you will only have the opportunity to make use of the digital eSIM card. Which is good. You know, if you're somebody who travels around the world and you go to different countries and you want to get different data plans for those local, you would buy a local SIM card that has a data plan on it. Well, you would pop that SIM card in wherever you are. That's good. But if the world is moving towards eSIMs, you won't have to go buy those little cards. You'll just go to the country's website and log on to, a, to an eSIM that way. Yeah, it's something that part of the reason why they are only doing this with the U.S. models is that most people in the U.S. only use their phone in the U.S. They aren't doing it in foreign countries yet because a lot of people in Europe travel around Europe. And so you need that ability to have multiple SIM cards there. And so uh, they're leaving the physical card for you know a lot of their other market phones. But in the U.S., you know, we spend the overwhelming majority of our time here in the U.S. And so that's why they're doing it. I agree that I think in the future we will move to that system wherever it's much easier to digitally swap. And so having an eSIM become the, the future standard. But as of right now, it's still, it's still the physical standard. Another thing they announced was the satellite-based emergency SOS. This is pretty cool. So if you are in that scenario, wherever you are out in the middle of nowhere and you're not connected to a cell tower, Apple has the ability to connect to a satellite that will be able to send you connections so that you can make your emergency call if you need to. They also are fully adopting the crash detection system. This is something we've talked about in the past where the phones have an accelerometer inside of them and it recognizes you're doing 70 miles an hour and then moments later you're doing zero miles an hour. Something happened and it's calling for help. Because it's also not just that you're doing zero. Whenever you decelerate normally, 
if you have a specific profile that looks like, and it's in mostly one direction. But if all of a sudden you start decelerating left instead of forwards, and then there's a roll in the middle, that's not a good sign. And so that's the types of things that they're looking at. And so you can actually probably get very confident whenever you say that wasn't supposed to happen. This, you know, we know the types of forces that were just experienced. Someone's in trouble. So this is a good thing. The iPhone 14 will be coming out somewhere supposedly in October, but we'll see when it officially comes out once they make that notification. So as we're staying with the cellular theme here in this this segment, have you been getting a whole lot of text messages that you just are, don't really need anymore and you're, you thought spam was only going to be in your inbox and email? So we talked about spam messages a few weeks ago that ignore them, let them go, whatever. One thing you can do is go into your phone settings and see if your phone has the ability to automatically block spam or see if your phone has the ability to sort messages into personal or business. I have a Pixel and one of the things that it does is it knows if a text message is that verification that you have to put into something or it's an automated text message reminder or something. Those get put into a separate folder than all my texts that are like to my friends or things like that. And so having text to people in a separate location than text from businesses, that does a lot to clean up my SMS inbox. So if you have an iPhone, go to your settings, go to messages, and scroll down to message filtering, where you'll see it says unknown and spam. And then you can hit the little toggle to filter unknown senders. That way you're not going to have your your message box filled up with messages from politicians and online retailers who are trying to get you to buy things. It's only going to be text messages from people you know. This is just a, a, another place wherever you can go make use of the settings because a lot of people are getting these text messages. But because it's a text message, it's much easier to write code for in order to filter all this stuff out. Make use of the features that are available to you. Go spend some time, poke around your phone, learn what it is, and take back some agency here. Absolutely. You've got to familiarize yourself with the features inside of the settings. Go to as many different settings. Drill down as far as you can to look and see what's there because there's probably a lot of stuff in there that can help you that you don't know about yet because you just hadn't bothered to go full with it. So go dig around. You won't break your phone, I promise. You can you can touch all the buttons you want. It won't break. Try it out. Absolutely. So SpaceX has decided that they're going to team up with T-Mobile to allow the cell phones to connect to the Starlink satellites. This is a fascinating development, and I think that it's really cool and it's really interesting. This is also really interesting because not that long ago, DISH also announced plans to get into the cellular space. However, theirs were very different in that DISH needed a new part of the spectrum, whereas because T-Mobile already owns a space, 
Starlink is partnering with T-Mobile to make use of a section that T-Mobile already owns. That's right. Dish wanted to use something in the 12 gigahertz range. What T-Mobile is saying is, hey, look, we've already got range in the 2.4 gigahertz area that you can use part of our, just a little bit, because all they're going to start off with is just text messaging. This is not, you're not going to make a, a cell phone call when you're in the Grand Canyon or, and there's no cell coverage, but you can send a text message. We talked a little while ago about AT&T starting to communicate with satellites for SOS. You'll have that same capability. Hey, I'm stuck in the Grand Canyon and don't know where I am. You can send a text message to your friend, call the Rangers and come find me. This is a very cool technology. It's a great use of partnership here to have this combination of Starlink and T-Mobile coming together. And they are really doing something cool here. They say that the plan is to have it tested in select markets before the end of 2023. So it's not coming immediately, but the ability to use cellular communication in combination with satellite communication really pushes forwards a lot of those spaces wherever previously it was inaccessible. Now you have the ability to use a cell phone there. The last story we wanted to talk about was, have you ever wondered how long your cell phone carrier keeps your location data? The answer is probably longer than you would like. Verizon is the shortest at one year, T-Mobile up to two, AT&T up to five years. So there's a thing called the cell site location information that each cell phone carrier keeps the historical data on. And a Supreme Court ruling back in 2018 said that law enforcement agencies don't have to go get a court-issued warrant anymore to get this data. They can just show up and knock on the door and say, hey, we want to find out where Haggai was in 2018 on this particular date. And AT&T can say, well, here you go. He was right here. And that's a little concerning that they've got that long to know where I was. So it is a little bit more nuanced and for example t-mobile holds your latitude and longitude for 90 days but your cell site location for up to two years because at some point in time it's just expensive to hold that much data for that long but that's why they moved to the cell site location so that's not going to say oh you were sitting in your house at 7 p.m it's going to say oh you were near the cell tower at 7 p.m. That is a bit better, but it's still five years a long time for them to hold that data. The latitude longitude, that's going to know within 10 square feet of where you are because it's using three cell sites to triangulate exactly where you are. The cell site location information that cell site, okay, it might have a one to as much as two mile radius that you're somewhere within that circle. Well, that's a whole lot different area when you need to know what's going on here or where someone is. Were you specifically at my house or was I somewhere in the general neighborhood? That's a definitely a different type of information, but 
if AT&T is holding on to it for that long, you have to think they're doing something with it. And that's the frustrating part is that you're not just holding on to data for that long for the fun of it. They're probably selling it in some way and that's frustrating. Yes, once again, that's your information, your data, and what are they doing with it? And we want to thank General Informatics for sponsoring our show. General Informatics is an information technology firm with a mission. And that mission is to make our clients even more successful through the best use of technology. Based in Baton Rouge, Louisiana, General Informatics is a premier IT managed services provider delivering exceptional managed IT solutions to a diverse base of customers from Texas to the Carolinas. From the beginning, we have maintained our commitment to meeting the growing needs of our clients through the continuous use of innovation. With over 20 years of experience and a team of 120 plus employees, including technicians, engineers, programmers, and designers, GI has evolved to become the leading IT partner of businesses, schools, and government agencies. Our managed services teams can run your digital infrastructure or support your team on an on-demand basis, letting you focus on your business's strength. This has become a proven formula. So proven that 98% of our clients continue to do business with us year after year. Whether you need new IT services, new technology, or you just have a question, visit us on the web at geninf.com. And if you enjoyed our show today, we're here on Talk 107.3 FM every Saturday at 4, and the show will rerun Sunday at 4. If you missed any part of our show, or you would like to hear any of the previous episodes, check out our podcast, which is available on most every platform, including Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, TuneIn, Stitcher, Podcast Attic, Overcast, Player FM, and more. And when you're there, be sure to subscribe so you'll be notified every time a new episode is posted. If you like our show, if you have some suggestions or want to submit a question, let us know by visiting our website, techgumbo.net. Thank you for listening to Tech Gumbo.